0: Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky. A safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.FriendlyChurch.com Happy Valentine's Sabbath. Imagine perfect love. Where will we get that from? From God. Welcome, S. Elsa is here. Good to see you. I'm glad to see you, and I'm glad to see everyone here in the name of our Father in heaven. And I'm going to start with the love letter from our Father in heaven.
1: I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you.
0: i watched that love letter from my Heavenly Father many times. And every time I watch it, I tear up. I miss my earthly father. But I have my Heavenly Father. And there is no other love that can compete with my Heavenly Father's love. In my Bible, there is a verse, and in your Bible, too, that we call it the golden verse of the Bible. You know what that is? John chapter 3, verse 16. Nicodemus came to see Jesus, and Jesus spoke the word, and this verse I sang it, I read it, I memorized it. This verse is your valentine today, and I would like you to read it with me. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in me should not perish, but have everlasting love. My sermon title this morning, Rest in His Love. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Father, thank you for the love that you have given us. A love that we can hardly comprehend and a love that we will only understand as we will live with you in eternity. When we face to face... We'll sit down and talk with you and you will expound to us what it takes to love a human being. And only you know. And Lord, today I pray that you will inspire us on this topic of love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In his book marriage fitness. Marriage coach and counselor Mortford tells tells the story of Millard Fuller. Miller was a small town boy, but he aspired, he dreamed of grand financial success and high status in the business community. So he married his wife, Linda, when they were young, although they struggled to meet ends and they were happy. Millard worked hard in pursuing of his financial dream and became millionaire when he was only 29 years old. That was in 1965, so the dollar went way farther than it goes today, or I think it was in the 50s. The Fullers had it all. Homes, cars, clothes, expensive vacations, jewelry, power, influence, security. Whatever money could buy, they had it. However, as it is often the case, the more Miller immersed himself in business, the more he neglected his family. Miller's marriage that began as a passionate love affair became his side business. His bank accounts grew by lips and bounds, but his marriage account depleted just as quickly. Linda became frustrated with their marriage and began a silent protest. While he was at home, Miller's mind was so preoccupied with his work that he missed all the signs of Linda's misery and continued to immerse himself more and more in his business. Eventually, the situation became so miserable for Linda. One day, Linda visited Miller at his office and announced, I don't think I love you anymore. Miller couldn't believe his ears. What he heard he said, "Excuse me, what, 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 what did you just say?" I think I don't love you anymore. And Linda explained that he gave her everything, everything she wanted, except what she wanted most—a husband. She wanted him, but he was unavailable. Miller promised Linda, like many men do, that he would change. But one year later, he had not. So Linda's patience was exhausted. She was completely dissatisfied. Finally, Linda left Millard and traveled to New York by herself. Now, with Linda gone, Miller felt helpless. The first time in his life, he was not in control. See, Miller's business was thriving, but his life was crushing. While Linda was in New York, Miller was forced for the first time to care for his children, which was a rarity in the Fuller's home. One night, as he was talking... Talking to, to his son in bed, his son gazed into his eyes and said, Daddy, I'm glad you're here. And there was, there was something in his son's voice. There was something in his son's eyes when he said, Daddy, I'm glad you're here. That opened Miller's eyes. and the truth about himself. The truth? He has neglected his family. And immediately he took action. Miller flew to New York as soon as possible to see his wife. And there Linda unloaded ears of heartbreak. Her silent misery erupted into a long and angry monologue. Millard did not say a word. He just listened. Then they reflected into the rise of his business and fall of his marriage. At this point, Miller shared with Linda the disappointment he felt in himself and how he felt devastated that he had failed her. Then, Millard made a life-changing decision. Millard sold almost everything and gave everything away, most of his money. Millard founded, and you might have heard of this organization, he founded Habitat for Humanity. He cleansed his life from anything that prevented him from focusing on his marriage and moved his family into a modest home where he and Linda began to rebuild their family, their marriage. Miller Fuller gave up everything for his wife and his marriage. He decided that their love will be the most important thing in the world to him because he realized that it is the most important thing in the world. See, Millard achieved great success, but without love in his life, he was bankrupt. And he knew it. Millard understood that if he hadn't made love the highest priority in his life, if he didn't succeed in his marriage, he realized that he would fail in his life. And it's true. And so is his story. About 4,000 years ago, on the hills of Shechem, lived this simple couple with twins. Their names, Isaac and Rebekah. The twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was a gifted game hunter while Jacob liked to spend his time at home and help his mother with house chores. But something happened in a short time that changed the course of Jacob's life. After cleverly stealing both the firstborn right and the blessing of his father from his brother Esau... Jacob finds himself as fugitive on his way to Mesopotamia, running away from his brother's wrath. And the story is found in Genesis 29. Unlike his rival, his grandpa's messenger, Abraham's servant, to pick up a wife for his father's Isaac, With rich gifts and gold and silver. Unlike Abraham's messenger for his mother, Jacob now was a lonely foot traveler with no possession except a staff. That's it. But like Abraham's servant, Jacob hang around this well. And it may have been probably the same well where Abraham's servant, Abraham's messenger met his mother, Rebecca. It is here at this well that he feels the euphoric feeling of love at first sight. Here is how it happened. There were many shepherds and many sheep on that field that day. And at the end of the day, they came to water to their thirsty sheep. And they did their thing and then they put the rock back. And then comes Rachel, the daughter of Laban. She was fitted to be more of a show model than a shepherdess. She was beautiful. She comes to the well and intends to to move that rock away. Knowing that she won't be able to do it. But maybe somebody will see her and help her. Nobody does a thing. But her intention is immediately observed by Jacob. Who met Rachel at the well. And when he met her eyes. It was love at first sight. He came near the well and single-handedly moved the great stone that covered up the well. Well, perhaps to impress Rachel, right? You can tell, you can tell that Jacob didn't take long before he knew. That he loved Rachel as recorded in Genesis 29, verses 10 and 11. In Genesis 29, 10 and 11. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled a stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. Interestingly enough, it's not Rachel that cried out, that cries, but Jacob. (laughs) He seemed to know with certainty that Rachel would be his bride. Immediately after this, Rachel ran to her father and and told him him about the, the young traveler. Rachel's father Laban came out to meet Jacob. And invited him to stay with them. And Jacob indeed stayed with Laban's family. And within a month he had fallen deeply in love with Rachel. And determined to marry her. Now in order to marry Rachel in the ancient customs. It required that the bridegroom have to pay a sum of money, or its equivalent in other property, according to his circumstances, to the father of the bride before the confirmation of the marriage engagement. So this was regarded as a safeguard to the marriage relationship. Fathers didn't just think it's safe to trust the happiness of their daughter to men, who had not made provisions for support of a family. So, if the father of the bride sensed that the bridegroom did not have enough sufficient savings and energy to manage business and acquire cattle and land, it was feared that their life would prove worthless. So, Rachel's father convinced Jacob to work for him for seven years, and only then... He could marry Rachel. And Jacob? He agreed. (laughs) The Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel so much that he labored for her for seven years. Genesis 29, 20. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. See what love does? He didn't care of the intensity of the work or the length of the work. He just did it because he loved Rachel. Now, the story does not end here. It would have been great for Jacob, right? Those of you who know the story. But you know the story goes on. After seven years of labor, intense labor, hard labor, Laban, the father of the bride, agrees to allow Jacob to marry Rachel. And in their marriage ceremonies, the bride usually have their entire face covered with only a small opening for the eyes. You may have seen those pictures on the internet. So after Jacob married a woman and spent the night with the new bride, he woke up in shock in the morning to discover that he's been tricked. Jacob thought that he had married Rachel, but he had instead married Leah, her older sister. Jacob was outraged. I know I would be too, right? When he confronted Rachel's father Laban, the father told Jacob that it was customary to have the older daughter marry first. How about that? Laban said that Jacob could also marry Rachel if he agreed to work another seven years for him. Now, what did Jacob say? No, I'm done. I'm out of here, right? No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. This is a great love story. Jacob, being in love with Rachel, quickly agreed And worked another seven years for Laban. Have you ever found anybody that you know dating 14 years before they got married? That was true and genuine and pure courtship. Well, another seven years wouldn't stop Jacob because the Bible says his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah, and he worked for Laban another seven years. That's Genesis twenty-nine, verse thirty. Now, I have shared with you these two stories: the stories uh, the story of Millard Fuller and Jacob's story. And I've got some questions to ask and As we answer these questions, perhaps we might learn some important life lessons today. What happened to Millard after a few years of marriage? How did he restore his marriage? What made the difference in his life? Now for Jacob, what, what, ha- what made Jacob serve seven, then again, seven years for Rachel? How do you think he was able to maintain that feeling for Rachel? What's the common answer? Love. The answer for all these questions comes from Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 21. And you can open your Bibles to Matthew 6, verse 21. Jesus is speaking here. In my Bible, these words are recorded with red, red uh, uh, color, red letters, implying Jesus is speaking. Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. World-class preacher and teacher and author, Haddon Robinson, I happened to to meet him. He was uh, my uh, advisor's uh, advisor, uh, Dr. Derek Morris' advisor. Haddon Robinson, a pillar of... Into homiletical preaching, Haddon Robinson rightly said that you will invest your life in something or you will throw it away on nothing. It has been studied that falling in love feeling is just like the fizz in a cup of soda. Have you noticed that you know you pour up, you know? A cup of soda, and after a while, what happens to the fizz? Gone. Right? After about two years, that euphoric love fades away. But there is hope. Yes, it is. Because it also has been studied that if I invest myself, my time, my energy, and my resources into anything... I can fall in love with almost anything. Did you hear any man say, I love my car? Being an ESL, English is a second language for me. I thought when I heard this statement, I thought it was an error in semantics that people do not pay attention to how they express themselves. But it turns out that this is actually true. Anybody can fall in love, even with an inanimate item. All it takes is time, energy, and resources. Take, for example, the story of Jack. Years ago, he bought an antique car with the intention of restoring it. To restore it to its original shape. I love antique cars, too. He invested all his spare time, lots of money, and definitely lots of himself into that car. It had become so precious to him. Not only he said, I love my car, but it came to a point where he could offend his wife, but don't touch his car. What made made this strange thing happen to Jack? What happened? He became vested into his car. Jesus said, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." My friends, our desire for love is the bedrock of our existence. Why? God created us that way because God is love. God is love. What is your treasure today? Love is not one and the same thing with falling in love. See, falling in love is the most euphoric experience. It's a biological experience that wears off in about two years. What do I do after that? I choose love. I choose to love. And love is not a feeling anymore. It becomes a verb. It becomes action. My friends, love is a choice. It's not what I feel, but what I do. And it does require time, effort, and commitment. See, a physical fitness program takes more effort than liposuction, but the results are authentic and longer lasting. Hollywood portrays love very easy, but it's only in the movies, not in real life. Love was easy on your courtship, but that's when you had your mother nature on your side. After a couple of years, those batteries go dead. I have to be proactive and planning. It's going to take time and effort. Think about it for a moment. You understand this is how how life works. You get out of something what you put into it. We say it, no pain, no gain, right? It works in every aspect of our life. It takes commitment, time, effort. What? What if you don't feel like loving? Love anyway. Do it anyway. Don't try to change what you feel. Change what you do. Don't wait until you feel differently. Change what you do, and the feeling will follow. Jesus did not say, For where is your heart? For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. No. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I can't trust my heart. In this sinful and perverted world, the Bible says that my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Not even myself. That's what Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 17 9. I cannot trust my own heart. My friends, don't try to change what you feel, change what you do. Don't wait until you feel differently. Change what you do, and the feeling will follow. Invest, and the heart will follow. It works in any relationships. Relationship with my wife, relationship with my children, relationship with God. And you may say, Pastor Marius, it sounds good, but how do we accomplish this? Remember I said it takes time, effort, commitment. One of the things that is recommended that covers all of these three things is to give presents give presence to your wife your kids your god not present presence spelled p r e s e n c e presence time is a irrecuperable resource give presence in other words prioritize to to spend time effort and energy with your treasure give presence to your wife, to your kids, and your God. When I grew up, I uh, was involved in school events. And my father was always busy and didn't make it to them. Then I went to the School of Arts and was involved in lots of concerts. Very few, close to none. My father attended. I made a decision in my heart that when I will have children, I will support them with my time, my presence. And as Calvin grew up, I did not miss any of his concerts and school activities. I may have worked in Alabama. I may have worked whatever. Even when I was here, I remember one time on Friday night, I went to, to his concert in Calhoun. Well, when he went to college and with this COVID, obviously, certainly things changed and he was in, in, in neither choir nor orchestra. But this, this semester, his schedule allowed him to be back in orchestra. And uh, Thursday night I was on call and he called me and he said, oh, I have this concert tonight. And I knew he's got his concert. And uh, it was live streamed from the College del Campus Church. And even though I was on call at 7.30, I went to the pastoral care office at Audubon and I watched his concert live. And I took a lot of screenshots and I would text him and it was fun. He loved it. Do you think he felt loved? And even though there was no in-person audience, I attended the concert via the Internet. And I know I could hear his voice afterwards. And I know Adam's got something coming up, too, with the choir. We want to be there. We want to support them with our presence. You know, that's what God did, too. He gave his presence to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. And he still gives his presence to us through the Holy Spirit. We are precious to him. We are his treasure, and he invested in you and me. He invested everything he had. He gave presence by his Son on earth. And he loves you so much, he wants to be with you today through the Holy Spirit. All you need to do is to accept his presence. Let his presence permeate everything. Everything, all areas of your life. And you will feel loved to the core of your being. My friends, God loves you. He loves you so much. His love story is the ultimate love story. The king of the universe said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He also said, I am with you always. Presence is love. My friends, God is with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to feel His love today? Yes, you can. It's not something that was written in the Bible 2,000 or 2,500 years ago, and it's for them Now you can feel God's love today as you accept and invite His presence to be with you and in you. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone Hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and to her and dine with them and they with me. Revelation 3:20. Christian or not, Jesus loves us all. He is knocking at the door of your heart today. Jesus is knocking at the door of your mind. He stands outside of your being. Ready to come into you and live his life through you. Have you ever wondered how you can have a wonderful, clean, perfect life? There you go. Jesus wants to come live his life through you. Have you ever wondered how you can love like Jesus. Well, here is your chance. Let Jesus come into your heart today. Can you hear his knock? Can you hear his loving voice? We learned that time, presence is love. God is love and his presence at the door of your heart today. Would you let him into your heart today? If you do, would you stand or would you kneel? Whatever is comfortable to you. I want to give this as an appeal. To listen To God as he speaks to your heart. Would you place yourself in a position of humility. And say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus. I am sorry for all the time I left you outside my door. I want you to forgive me of all the things I have done or said. That were not out of love. I want to let you into my heart. Lord, I want you into my life today. Please come into me through the presence of the Holy Spirit who is in the world today. Come into me, Lord Jesus, and abide in me. And let my life be full of love just like it was yours. Today, I let you into my heart to transform it and to become like yours. Today, Lord, I rest in your love. Amen.